Hello, everybody, and welcome to Little Little, this crazy little podcast about everything and nothing. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm joined, as always, by Greg Graber, educator and mindfulness guru. This is episode 16, and um, we are drinking a Spotted Cow. Cheers. New Glarus Brewery in uh, Wisconsin in honor of the fact that the Green Bay Packers pulled a massive upset on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, over the hated Detroit Lions. I went into that game with absolutely zero expectations, and uh, the Packers played one of their best games of the season, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to talk about what's happening. I got a lot of stuff I wrote down. I've got it all in my mind. You've got it all. Stuff you've got on. it all in your mind. Okay, I'm going on very little sleep and a lot of aggravation. So it's going to be good. And beer. And beer. Now. Oh yeah, so. you're yeah you're you're going to be in fine. Hey, Arsenal won. You like that. the way that I called the Kai Havertz? Yeah, nice. I said he was the one, right? Little, Do you little, remember? Yeah, you said he was not the one, and then, of course, little, he scored the goal. Little and reverse psychology. Little reverse psychology. Finally, we figured out the key for him. Apparently. Uh, we got recommendations, grievances to be aired, a mindful moment. Please tell me you have a mindful moment. I do. Okay, good. I do. It's going to be kind of connected to a grievance, but it's going to have a mindful resolution to it. I gotcha, think. gotcha. Uh, and, and listener, if you hear a, a buzzing in the background, fear not. It is the neighbor has a uh, has a contractor picking up their leaves, and uh, they, they didn't tell me, but then again, they had no idea we were recording a podcast. By the way, before we get into what's happening, do want to tip the cap. I was just checking the podcast statistics. Oh, here we go. We have more international listeners i know not to interrupt you pete but i know two of the culprits there two of our very good friends in london okay and i uh carolina and patrick okay thank you for listening guys okay believe it or not how about united arab emirates with a download that that may or may not be good with some of my views on hamas or whatever well we, we we don't give out our our secure undisclosed location um greece Israel and the Netherlands. Wow, checking in. Really? So yeah. So shout this? out, shout out to our international, uh, our oh, international cool. listeners. Like yeah, that United that, Nations here in the I know Pranica World Galactic Studios. I love it. I love it. It's fantastic. No new reviews. Look, if you leave a review on uh, iTunes, we will read it during a future episode of the show. Um, as far as what what's going on, uh, not that anybody really cares, but I had another shot for my back, and it's kind of sort of helping, but. Uh, Oh man, getting old is is not uh, is not good. But you know, it's better than not getting old. This is true. This is true. Any day above ground is always a good one. Grizzly struggles. You know all about it. Um, we're still like nine games, ten games away from John Morant getting back for the Grizzlies, which will make a difference. I just don't know if the Grizzlies are going to be so buried in the standings that uh, it's going to be really, really hard for them to get into at least the play-in tournament, which involves seeds eight, nine, uh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. We'll see about that. Um, one of the crazy things about this time of year, I don't know how you feel about it. I'm, I'm kind of a mixed mind about the whole Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, and now Giving Tuesday. I, it's all just stupid. I don't care about any of that. I just buy my stuff and have it delivered to my porch and stay <laughs> off my lawn. Wow. That's it. <laughs> good night, folks. Boys, he's <laughs> good to see Man, you. Man, Greg, Greg is angry today. Um, you know what, what I find out about it is I things that I know that I'm going to need at some point during the year, I just buy them during this time of year because I mean, they're always yeah. going to be discounted. We're the same. We don't have kids. We yeah. just wouldn't say we're selfish or hedonist, but I'm at the age and we're Luckily, the disposable income, where if I really want something that's not outrageous like a Lamborghini, 
I can go get it. <laughs> pair of shoes, jack, you know, I'm fortunate. Just kind of, just kind of grab the Lamborghini yeah, out of thin around, air. You know, yeah, yeah. I, the stuff that you know you're going to buy, you know, like, um, you know, if you, like I use Tommy John undergarments, okay? Oh, really? That's, Can we have a picture of this? No, we fans? can't. No, we can't. Um, but, you know, that, that stuff goes on sale. I know I'm going to need a refresh of some of this stuff. I can't believe we're talking about your undergarments. Well, this you is, were you were talking about underwear. What was it? Cool, cool bros? Different when I do it. Oh, it's different when you do it. Yeah. Um, on a very, very, two very serious notes here. You're getting more serious in your underwear now. Uh, is, I'm getting, no, I'm getting more serious because did you see the story about the dude who, who was walking down the street with an AR-15? So, yeah. By Grace St. Luke's? Someone who's an educator to... I would say a brother or sister school of Gray St. Luke's, you know, Lausanne. Mm -hmm. That's alarming. This idiot is walking down Peabody Avenue in Midtown. They had to shut down two schools. No, they had Gray to go St. on Idlewild. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this idiot is carrying an AK-47 for no reason. I, I like to say, or I don't like to say it, but I do say I, I feel like with our lax gun laws, and that's putting it mildly in, in the state of Tennessee here, we're essentially the hillbilly Taliban. It, it, it's just crazy because the cops said, well, he didn't break any laws. He's carrying an assault rifle down the street near a couple of schools. Did you see the way in which he was carrying it, too? Yeah. It looked a little aggressive. Yeah, I it was. not say he was pointing it, but it was kind of upright. He, a, had it, he had it in a ready position, put it to you that way. That, that's, just, that's just insane. And, I mean, look, I'm all for responsible gun ownership. I'm not for ownership of assault weapons, and I'm not a fan of open carry. I, I would hate to walk into Kroger and see, you know, somebody just packing because you're wondering, like, why? Why do you have to show me that you're carrying a gun? Well, it's gotten so bad here that the federal authorities are coming in to make some kind of announcement about intervening in Memphis. Hmm, okay. Uh, I would not heard that. In the next few hours. Okay. So, yeah. be interesting to see what that entails. Gotcha. Um, the other thing, too, that's, that's really troubling, and I didn't, didn't feel it was a grievance, but it, it is concerning. Did you see the story about the AI articles that were published under the Sports Illustrated banner? I did. I've got a whole, maybe I'm showing my age, but I, I really don't like AI. Just the mere term artificial intelligence is disarming to me a bit. Right. I mean, it's is that like pseudo intelligence, you know. Um, and then what are we going to do with chat, GBT, and kids with term papers and research in college and stuff like that? Right, right. Yeah, because it, it used to be back in, back in the bad old days, if you were, you were, you were a, a student, you could actually hire some term paper mill to churn out a term paper for you. Now you can turn it over the to good artificial. Old days. <laughs> the good old days. Pay for it. The old-fashioned yeah, way. Yeah, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, but for, for those of you who aren't familiar with the story, it was discovered that there were articles published under the SI banner that were generated by artificial intelligence, and they had uh, headshots of the quote-unquote author which were stock photographs, and then they had actually made up biographies for these made-up writers. And uh, just when we thought SI couldn't go any lower, right? Because they've really gone down oh, yeah, in I, quality the last, what, I 10 mean, years? When, you when you think of all the great writers, mm -hmm. the Curry Kirkpatricks, was and Frank the Mark Crams, and the, and the Frank DeFords, and all the amazing writers, and the Rick Rileys, the Rick Tellenders who came up through Sports Illustrated, or at least wrote through, through, for Sports Illustrated at some point in time, I mean, that was, as a kid, Thursday was the best day of the week because yes. Sports Illustrated was going to land in your mailbox. Um, 
And now it, it's it's just become a joke. And the company that owns Sports Illustrated responded by saying, well, a spokesman said, well, was the spokesman AI or was it an actual spokesman? Because there's, there's nobody named. Okay. And they said, well, these were just merely product reviews and they were done by a third party vendor. Which, like, third-party vendor has become the dog-ate-my-homework mm-hmm. of corporate America right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Michigan State, uh, the football team, they were, they were showing uh, a trivia contest on the Jumbotron before a Michigan State game, and they had a question about Hitler. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State said, well, ah, third-party vendor. Were they stealing the signs of the trivia, the results of the trivia? No, that, like that's, that, that's, that other, that's that other Michigan school. But this, this, is, this is really concerning. And the other thing, too, there, okay, so there was a... Um, there was another AI-generated thing. I think it was called, uh, she called herself Anna Indiana, uh, a, a, a computer-generated person who had a computer-generated song. What'd she look like? Uh, like a fembot sort of? Some, some, something like that. Nice. But, but the fact of the matter is, see, I can see artificial intelligence can have a role Although right now, the upgrade to the iPhones now is like predicting your text all the time, which is kind of annoying. I know what I'm going to say. Don't tell me. I can't stand it. Now the first word that I type on my iPhone is always underlined, even when it's spelled correctly. Do you notice that? I do, but what you have to do is you have to wait to complete the text, and then sometimes it'll it'll go back to the way that it should. Um, but I, I don't see really many benefits for... I think it's almost like a replacement of human consciousness in a way, and... I think we derive a lot of meaning from our ability to create things, Mm -hmm. you know, information, words, whatever it is. And I just see uh, it's it's interesting. Seems like the algorithm is taking everything over. Well, see, I I don't I don't have an issue like if you if you go to um, if you go to Amazon or in the old days, sometimes you'd, you'd go to um, to iTunes and would say, if you like this, you might like that. Yeah. Okay. I that that's fine. But the weird thing was, you would say to someone in a conversation, something about I need some new shoes. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that now? And then you look. Let's say you're on Facebook or something. Like old guys like us mm-hmm. are still on Facebook. You'll see sort of ads for shoes. Right. Well, that it's you, really creepy. What you have to do then is change your web browser to Duck Duck Goose. Duck, duck go, right? Or duck, duck, duck go. Duck. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. Because it, it doesn't track you, and so you lose a lot of that stuff. Holly uses that, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the thought, and I, I was thinking about this yesterday when the story came out. And I remember as far back as the original Star Trek in the mid-60s, there was an episode called The Ultimate Computer. And at that point in time, the Federation said, hey, we're just, we're, we're starships, we don't need 430 people. We're going to put a computer there, maybe like 10 people, and we can run a starship. And, of course, it was, uh, it was being used in war games, and the computer didn't know that it was war games as opposed to actual war and nearly blew up another starship. So this, this type of thing has been on people's minds for a long, long, long time, and it's starting to come to a head right now. I think humanity is losing the battle to the machines. I really do. Well, and, and, and to your point, and, and, and going back to the, um, you know, the AI-generated singer, why are we taking, if you want to use AI as a tool, a tool to help you find a new pair of shoes or a record or a book or whatever, that's one thing. But why are we taking humans out of the artistic process and saying, hey, we're just, you know, we're just, we're just going to have this artificial person create this artificial song, and that's how we're going to go. It, 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 yeah, we, we, are, we are slowly being drained of our humanity, and it's, it's very 
very, very concerning. So I have a couple of guest speakers coming out next semester on AI and ethics mm -hmm. to talk to the kids at Lausanne, which I think that's going to be a really hot topic in the next few years if it's not already. I think you're going to find colleges and universities are going to start teaching AI and ethics. I mean, because that it, it is something that is going to be really, really big going forward and um but are we like our parents generation that just went crazy when elvis appeared on ed sullivan shaking his hips this rock and roll thing is the downfall of western civilization i know it's different obviously but i don't know i i feel torn between the two right i i think it's one of those things will it be used for good or will it be used for evil and yeah. there's always that there always that one person who's like i want to rule the world i'm gonna be dr evil and uh, that, that's the person that you're concerned about. I mean, there, like I said, there are uses for artificial intelligence. I get that. But to take the humanity out of it and to basically say, you know what, we, we really don't need somebody to go to report on the Grizzlies game. We're just going to, uh, we're going to feed the box score into artificial intelligence and, and they'll write an article. Yeah, how can we build our intelligence if there's no, if we don't have to manually retrieve knowledge from our brains? Yeah, yeah. So, it, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, speaking, speaking about the old days, uh, shout out. Today would have been my dad's 102nd birthday. All right. So, uh, I, you know what? And the one thing that he always said, he said, if you're not going to do it right, if you're not going to give it your best shot, then what the hell are you doing it for? So that's a good saying. Good, good life wisdom. So, uh, yeah, so that's what's rattling around and what's left in my brain. So how about, I've got something how about you? I wanted to bring up. I do this thing a lot of times when I'm out of town. I'll just kind of randomly get a haircut. One is I have the kind of hair that I see you looking at. You, you have great the, hair. You have you. great hair. I, I, do, I have that. no hair. It's turning gray, but um, or has turned gray. It makes you look distinguished. I appreciate that, sir. The check is in the mail. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, because I travel, I don't have time to get a haircut on a regular basis, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a pain in the in the rear end to get an appointment. The person I like, she cuts my hair. She takes appointments like six months in advance. I know, first world problem, right? <laughs> so I do this thing. You, you, you go to Memphis' most, most popular barber. I go to Capelli. Okay. Probably the only guy in there, but like the scenery's not too bad. Not, I don't mean that in a pervy, creepy kind of way. Um, so I do this thing that it, my friends get a real, some of my buddies get a real kick out of this, especially Christy and Jenny. I call it haircut roulette. Okay. Because you never know how it's going to turn out. Some of the times it's really good, and other times it's kind of atrocious. And, and I, the I do have the kind of hair; it's hard to mess up. It, it is. It is hard to mess up, and I go to the same person all the time. I don't. I would. I would. I would rarely, if ever, even consider doing an out-of-town haircut. There's a. There's an adrenaline rush, Mister Pranica, to going <laughs> to some strange place in Washington D.C. or Dublin, Ireland, or London, wherever. Getting a haircut and just not knowing the person. And sometimes they don't even speak English. And you're like, just <laughs> give me a trim. Okay. So there was an article. I know you're like, get on with this. There was an article <laughs> in the Washington Post. And the headline was, and this substantiates that I'm correct in doing this. And everyone that gave me a hard time about it, I'm going to tell you to listen to this episode. It's entitled, For True Cultural Immersion, Get a Haircut on Your Next Trip. Hmm, Okay. It says, get a haircut on your next trip. You'll walk away with local wrecks, a glimpse of daily life in that city, and hopefully a decent cut. 
So hopefully a decent cut. That's just kind of a synopsis. I'm going to leave that as a teaser, but okay. here's the haircut roulette. So have you ever gone to an out of town hair emporium and gotten out of there and going, like, oh geez, what? Oh I yeah, I, oh you've gotten I, bad I, ones. I got butchered in D.C. when. Uh, Remember when I had my incident with uh-huh. Marjorie Taylor Greene? Right, right. She probably didn't feel bad with what I called her because she probably looked and said, look at this dude's hair anyway. Okay. So mm-hmm. it was bad. Okay. It was really bad. Um, but, you know, that's you win some, you lose some. Okay. Well, you've got more hair. I don't. So I just I just walk in. I see the same person. I said, yeah, the Clippers uh, setting number three. And they're like, zip, 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 and, and, and we're good. It, it doesn't it does not take a whole lot of barbering yeah, to deal with whole, me. You got to have gel. Got to just. Well, yeah, you yeah, you have product, product in your hair, just, though. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, yeah. it's a burden. <laughs> so so that, that, that's kind of what's happening. It's also kind of like a recommendation. Got any other recommendations you want to share? Yeah. So... My buddy Sanford was in from Atlanta during the holiday break, and we went to a lunch and a movie together. We saw Next Goal Wins. Have you heard of that? Uh, is that the one about kind of the fish-out-of-water soccer yeah. movie? So yeah. Thomas Rangan, who I was a big fan, he's a Dutch guy, and he played in the old North American Soccer League when I was a kid with the Washington Diplomats. Mm-hmm. So he played with some greats like George Best, Johan Cruyff, these kind of guys. Became a really good coach. Coached on the national team level for a while. And when I lived in Orlando, the early days of the MLS, I would drive to Tampa to watch the Tampa Bay Mutiny play. Mm -hmm. They had Carlos Valderrama, a bunch of good players. Thomas Rangan was the coach. So I was interested to see this movie. Um, It's a little bit formulaic, maybe cheesy. They took some liberties with it. Of course they did. Uh, He had some hard times. And he ends up basically the only big time, it's not even a big time job, the only job he can get on the international level is coaching the national team of America, Samoa. Mm-hmm. They were FIFA's, probably the worst team in the history of FIFA. They were ranked dead last. Uh, they had a qualifier against Australia before he started. They lost 31 to 0. Oof. That's, yeah. For people that don't know soccer, that's what would an American football equivalent be? 200? Maybe at, at least, at least, yeah. Wow, thirty-one goals. That's so, that's incredible. So he went there, and it kind of. Um, I'm not going to give too much of it away. A little bit cheesy, but it's redeems himself, finds himself, learns how to chill out, and has a really good experience. So after I saw that, I was really interested in it, and I went and I searched the documentary by the same name. Next goal wins with Thomas Rangan. Mm-hmm. A hundred times better than the movie. I can't recommend it enough. Okay. It is really good. So I docu- would, documentary, I would, not the movie, but would, see both I, for comparison's sake. I would sake. see both and do a compare and contrast with your artificial intelligence, if you must, with your <laughs> chat GPT. Uh, but I definitely recommend the movie. And Thomas Rangan is just a, a cool character, so I wanted to give him a shout-out. Okay. I think as a soccer guy, you'll really yeah. you'll like it. Hmm, I have to check that out. I, I'm looking forward to and I haven't had the opportunity yet, and we're going back out on the road at the end of this week. I, the whole Ridley Scott Napoleon movie sounds Looks like, good. Looks looks really good, and, and Joaquin Phoenix is fantastic. Uh, a, couple, a couple of recommendations, and one is a place that I've been to several times. I don't want to say many, but several times. I don't get downtown outside of calling games. I don't get downtown very much. Uh, but Majestic Grill. Uh, that that's been a restaurant. I didn't know that was still around. I'm not being facetious. No, it's it, it's 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 been it's it's going strong. That's and, awesome. Um, Great place. I have a I have a friend who is a statistician that works for TNT and ESPN, and 
NBA TV, and he was in for the Phoenix game on Black Friday. And whenever he comes to Memphis, he has to eat, absolutely has to eat at Majestic Grill. What's his dish? His dish, well, it's it's so funny because the guy's like 66 and he's reed thin because he doesn't eat very much. He was so excited because he always he he loves the blackened salmon and rice. Sounds good, but if you're gonna really want to go somewhere to eat, eat bad, right? Well, good for him though. But but see, but see that that's like his favorite dish. He does he does not eat junk food anyway. But he didn't eat like lunch. Okay, and the game was at four o'clock, so dinner time was was not bad. We got there like seven. We walked over from FedEx Forum like seven o'clock. He also had an entree salad with salmon, and then. Another piece of salmon Jeez. with rice. It's going to be asleep, unable to take the stats, huh? He absolutely. He abs- I guess that salmon is brain food, though, for stats. It, it is. Food. It is a salmon. Is salmon is brain food. And that's one of the things that I do. I, I just get like a side of salmon. I cut it up into fillets, and I'll I'll make that in some rice. But every time I go to the Majestic Grill, and I I didn't have salmon. I didn't have salmon. I had um, uh, I had their their salad uh, with grilled chicken. And one thing too that I will say, and it was fantastic. It was one of the best salads I've had in quite a while. One of the things I will say is my friend Jim, very particular about how he wants everything prepared. And I go into restaurants with him, and I am Mr. Just give it to me the way it's on the menu, unless there's like something I absolutely positively just won't have, and then I'll probably order something else. Jim is like, okay, now for the salad, I want dot, 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 and I don't want this. <laughs> he's a pain in the ass. Well, <laughs> a nice pain in the but ass. He's, he's, but he's one of my best friends, and I'm, I'm, I always feel badly – for servers now, now were you ever a waiter? No, you never were. I couldn't be because okay. I've been with I, way before Holly. I dated girls that were, I'll take the sushi without the rice type. Thing. You know, I'm like, yeah, you, how just, do you like, just, oh, yeah, yeah. The Harry you tip even more. They're so bad, right? It, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in in any event, I always feel bad for the servers when somebody goes like, well, I I want this and I don't want that and I Ooh. want this on a side and I want that. that, that. You know, they're spitting in it, right? In the back. I, I don't know. This 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 server was exceedingly pleasant and just like really really on point. And every time you go to to Majestic Grill, and shout out to Denny Carr Riley and the whole team at at Majestic Grill, food is always great. It's on point. Um, great. I, I think it's as good an atmosphere as any restaurant downtown. Is that still a big place before games? I guess. Uh, I don't not know. That I, know. I, I, not that I would know because I'm, yeah. I'm I'm otherwise busy. I, I I tried to get us a reservation like at seven o'clock after a, a four o'clock game, and on Resi they were all booked up till seven thirty. So I took a seven thirty. We got there early. They still you didn't had, they call? still you didn't just walk up and say do you, do you know who I am? I don't do I mean, that. You don't come I, on. I don't do that. You should do that. Don't You've do earned that. that. No, I don't do You've that. You've done this for twenty years here. You I don't. Yeah, just, I don't. I, I mean, I, I get recognized, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because our producer, Scott Zachary, had moved here from Portland, Oregon, and I said, hey, I, I'll take I'll take you out to dinner. We'll go to Hog and Hominy. Somebody in the kitchen recognized me and, like, sent over a bunch of appetizers. Oh, you got the VIP booth, I heard, right? Didn't you? They have, like, a little... No, no, that no, no. Oh, I, no, no, that's at uh, the other place. Bog and yeah, Barley. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah that's right. that's because DJ, the owner, was yeah. there, and he said, "Come, come sit with me in the snug, which is in this, this neat little enclave next to the bar, which is which is really I, fantastic." I like DJ a lot. I don't know if I want to get with him in a snug, whatever that is. But, it's uh, it's well. Ba- next time you go to Bog and Barley, when you go, you see the bar. There's like a little enclosed space with there is a table for like five or six people, and then there are a couple seats at the bar. So we we just sat at the bar. So like when Tim Howard. You know, goes to Bog and Barley. DJ hosts him in the snug, and then they have this nice conversation about soccer slash football. 
whatever. Um, but yeah, Majestic Grill. The other thing I'm just going to say, because I did it yesterday, I woke up with both of my shoulders sore. And I'm like, what did I do? Oh, I got my flu vaccine. I got my COVID vaccine. I need to do that. Go and go and do, do it. That. And actually, now is the, really the best time because I, I always talk. I always have a physical in October. And I talk to my doctor, and it's like, when should I get my flu shot? And he says, wait until later in November because then the peak effectiveness of the vaccine will coincide with the peak transmission of the flu virus. Interesting. If you get it too early. You may, your effectiveness may be when the flu's not really going around. Mm-hmm. So now is the perfect time. Go. I, I just go to the shot nurse. They take most insurances and didn't cost me anything outside of two sore shoulders in the morning, and that, that's perfectly fine. But, yeah, do do get your shots. I know there's some people don't like needles or they don't believe in the flu shot or whatever. Oh, it's worth it, all the stuff going around. Well, and with all the traveling that you do, with all the traveling that I do, uh, you don't want to be, particularly in a plane full of professional athletes, you don't want to be the one. Who spreads the flu? Quick wreck. I mm-hmm. just tagged this one onto yours. I failed to mention Top Golf was really fun. Yes, yes. You post on social media. I was not as bad as I thought I would. Of course be. not. I had a great time. It's such a cool place. I, if you haven't played listener, I highly advise it. You don't have to be in the golf. They'll bring you drinks, food. It's just a. It's fun. Food was good. Food was really good. Okay, have to eat pretty healthy and. Uh, had a couple Bloody Marys. It was in the morning. I was on break. so uh, <laughs> Swing lubrication. It was not, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, grievances. Um, I know we're pounding on the table here. So, yeah, I, I've got one. Moral equivalencies. And mm-hmm. I'm going to riff for a minute on this. Okay. I'll be careful with my wording mm-hmm. with some of what I'm going to say. Okay. Out of respect to you. Um so I'm thinking about, I'm going to make an example. Moral equivalency is when someone tries to compare two things that are not alike anyway at all and then tries to say that one of these things is better or worse than the other. Mm-hmm. And it's pretzel logic. It's a, it's a fallacy. It's lazy thinking or manipulative thinking to think that way. Or rationalization. Yeah. Uh, one is the Josh Giddy situation in the nba you know it came out last week i think maybe before thanksgiving or maybe a little bit after there were allegations from an anonymous social media account that he had been in a relationship or had relations however you want to say it with an underage female so people are like throw him in the jail do this whatever that's fine people can have their opinions um but then they start comparing it to, well, what about John Morant? When John Morant got in trouble, there was no due process. Well, two different transgressions. One's not inherently better necessarily or worse than the other. Um, John was on film. They don't have any like conclusive evidence of this. And if they do, then hopefully he gets what's coming to him if, if, if that's kind of what he did but it got into the whole well it's because he's white and jaw's black and all that stuff and it just gets really stupid this stuff you see it with politics all the time you think about it um well trump did this well what about hillary's emails or trump did that well what about hunter biden all of that's terrible stuff but you can't really compare sort of you know you were talking about earlier about the guy with the gun mm-hmm well, he got away with it. Okay, well, we live in a state that has dumb enough laws where he can do that. 
you know. So it's just you, these moral equivalencies are just shortcomings in, in thinking. And as we've said before, I think you've got to be a little more nuanced on this stuff. And you can't always compare apples to oranges. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it ends up being a fruit salad. And, and, and the, the thing with Morant, too, that a lot of people are overlooking is the fact that he got suspended for eight games, went back and talked to Adam Silver. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. And then he does it again. Yeah. So the two cases are so wildly different. And yes, it is true that John Morant did not break any laws of the municipalities in which this occurred. But the fact of the matter is that there is a morals clause in an NBA contract, and the NBA does have the wherewithal to say that if you are doing something that damages our league, we do have the right and the ability to suspend you from performing and playing in games. Now, the same thing is true of Josh Giddy. Now, the investigation goes on. I think where people get really upset is that Oklahoma City's like, yeah, he can play. Yeah. It, and I, th- I think, I, I just I think, think it's, people, it struck people yeah. the wrong way. I, I don't think people realize. And it's maddening. When you hear that someone does something like that allegedly to a child, Yeah. That's terrible. Allegedly, though, and there's due process, and he has a union, the players' union, and I'm sure he's lawyered up, and that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, and we don't know we don't know the facts of the case. We don't know what's going on with their research into it either. No. The other thing, too, is there was another case, of course, the Miles Bridges case, where he nearly killed, mm-hmm. I think, the mother of his child and served a suspension, and he's back playing in the NBA. And that that is... That is one of the things that is also bothering a lot of Grizzlies fans, and I get that because he did commit a crime, and a heinous crime at that, and he's being allowed to play in the NBA. That, that is something that – there's something about professional sports leagues, the way that they handle, and it's not just the NBA. It, it, the NFL certainly has not done a good job. Oh, it's so subjective and arbitrary. It's, it's ridiculous. And the comments – I don't ever comment on this kind of stuff, but I like to look, and I probably shouldn't on X – the platform formerly known as Twitter. Well, you know, anyone that was saying, well, he's got due process, oh, you're a pedophile, or you're a racist, it's like, come on, it's ridiculous. Well, Just they, let, it, let, let it run its due course. Right, but but that's, that is the tyranny of the ultimate First Amendment. You can say whatever you want without any recourse whatsoever, and that's... You know, free speech comes with a certain level of responsibility too. It's it's the old you don't fire you don't yell fire in a crowded movie house. I mean, there there has to be some uh, responsibility taken for for what you do or do not say. Uh, grievances. I am going to throw this in, uh, under the headline college sports, and I've got I've <laughs> to quote Mr. Cassandra, I got a lot of issues with you people. Um. First of all, I mean, let's understand that college sports is not what it was when I was in college, which was a long time ago. And I think most people don't know that there was a period of my time I worked for the University of Notre Dame in the Alumni Association, in close association with the athletic department. And in those days, Notre Dame wouldn't even take a transfer. It's like, no, you're here for four years. If you really, really want to get out of here, we'll release you. But we're not taking a transfer to make our basketball team better or our football team better. We're just not going to do that because we think Notre Dame is a four-year experience. We want you to get your education. And now, 
the season, the regular season, regular college football season is over, and everybody's like, I'm going to the portal. I'm going to the portal. I can't imagine. I was talking to uh, a player yesterday, player's parent, actually, and it's like, yeah, I think we're going to leave. I'm like, I'm not going to say what school. It's November. The, the college basketball season just started. But it's interesting. I, so I work with, as you know, and most of the listeners probably know, six or seven different college basketball teams. I need a roster the first day of practice because they've totally flipped over. Right. Like there's, I don't, if I, it's different. I, I'm a fan of these teams, I guess somewhat. I try to watch the teams that I work with and I want them to do well, obviously. But I can't imagine being a fan or an alum of a program like you are and trying to keep up. You would need an ever-evolving scorecard just to know who's on the team every year. Yeah, it, it, it is just so radically changed everything. Now, for some teams, it's it's for the better. I mean, Notre Dame was the great beneficiary of Sam Hartman finishing at Wake Forest. I got one more year of eligibility. I'm going to go to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame finishes 9-3, and three, and Sam Hartman had, had one of the best years by a Notre Dame quarterback like in the school's history. So you're, you're the beneficiary of it. But then a lot of guys that starred this year, it's like – they had great years at Notre Dame. I was like, nah, I'm going to go somewhere else. And it's just – Yeah, it's crazy. I just, I, it's, I, it's always – the grass is not always greener like it appears. No, no. And you wonder sometimes, you know, where this is all coming from, you know, why. Um, but my bigger issue is the incredible buyout clauses that college football coaches in particular have. Oh, that's gross. Okay. So Jimbo Fisher was a head coach at Texas A&M. Very mediocre year. Very mediocre run, really, at Texas A&M, which is a football-crazy school. Uh, when I was working at Notre Dame, Notre Dame played A&M twice in bowl games in the Cotton Bowl. That fan base is absolutely, I mean, ardent. Is I, I'm, I'm trying to think of a really, really good word. They're fanatical. They really and truly are, which, good for them. They've got their yell leaders. They've got their traditions. They've got their 12th man tradition. Kyle Field is this massive stadium in College Station. That's all fine. Jimbo Fisher is getting paid $75 million to not coach. Where do you sign up Texas for Texas A&M. I would sign up $75 million to not do whatever. Just I mean, tell me not, you know. Anybody else in this world, you lose your job at Lausanne, maybe you'll get two months of or two weeks of severance pay. You know, uh, people lose their jobs and you get a severance package and it's maybe a month of, of pay, if, if that. $75 million. And uh, Ed Orgeron, when, when he got pushed out by LSU, he tells a story that, you know, the athletic director comes in and says, well, Ed, Ed we've decided, you know, you're not going to be here anymore. Um, and uh, Ed brought it on himself. Well, Bringing his girlfriend into practice and letting her scrimmage with the team. and Be that as, be that as it may, he said, oh, well, uh, yeah, uh, let me just tell – yeah, I'll get out of here in an hour and I'll give you the address you can send the check to. Did he really – yeah, words to that effect. So he was like, ah, I got fired. Ah, fine. I got $75 million. Like, this is crazy. And I know NIL now is available so that some athletes are able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. But that's also being distorted, I think. Well, that, that's being distorted. My whole thing is, and I have, I have felt for years, give players a stipend. Some will argue, yeah, but they're getting a free education. Look, let's be honest. A lot of these athletes are not necessarily taking full advantage of no, the tuition. If you see what most of them are majoring in, right. some of these top sports schools, they're not there for, for that f free education. Right. 
Now, when back in the day when I was in college, if you had an ROTC scholarship, Army, Navy, Air Force, you got your tuition paid for, and you got $100 a month. Wow. I don't understand why, with all the millions upon millions of dollars that are being generated by college football and college basketball, you can't say to every scholarship athlete, I'll give you $200 a month. Give you something think, above and beyond. I've, I've thought about this before, and I think they should have like three different tiers, right? So you have the walk-on, and then you have sort of the standard bell curve stipend that the vast majority get, and then you have your top half a dozen who get a little bit more, and you can only have so many of the top ones that get the maximum amount. Mm -hmm. I think that would be the way to structure it. But people would still find a way to cheat with that, I'm sure. Well, you know, and, and I remember, too, uh, when I was working for the Alumni Association at Notre Dame, our big thing was we were telling our alumni, do not make contact with any prospective student-athlete because you are a representative of the university. Now it's just the wild, wild west, uh, really, and the NCAA is powerless to really enforce anything. And I think their enforcement is just kind of wackadoodle anyway. I work Seems to be rather program, arbitrary. I work with one program where they don't even go to class. They do it all online. Of which course. Which is interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So college, college athletics, like I said, can you imagine how many students you could put through Texas A&M on $75 million? Wow. You, know, you think about that. Now, okay, A&M, clearly they have the money because they have an incredibly loyal alumni base they can raise money. I think their foundation is probably, or their endowment is probably one of the biggest uh, in the country. So they can they can do stuff like that. But it goes back to that old story. You know, Bear Bryant, the legendary coach for Alabama football, was making something obscene a million years ago. I want to say like maybe a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. And he had a press conference, and some math professor called him out, and he goes, "I can't believe what you make. I can barely make." ends meet being a math professor here at the University of Alabama. They said Bear Bryant pointed to the stadium and he said, whenever your lectures can fill up this, then you should get what I get. And part of it is, I get that side of it a little bit, like these big brands like Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, they bring in a lot of money, mm -hmm. those football programs. Right. What's well, crazy, back in the day, and I think you have to go back to probably the Jerry Faust era, Notre Dame literally had a rule that the head football coach could not make more than the highest paid professor at the university. Really? That, but wow. of course that has changed like wow. pretty much everything else. But yeah, that was when, when uh, Father Ted Hesburgh was president, that was, that was his rule. The football coach cannot make more than the highest paid professor at the university. But like I said, that was a long, long time ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. All right, we got our grievances out of the way, so now we, uh, we segue to a, a mindful moment. So I'd like to start with a bit of a grievance and end this up on a high note with okay. a mindful moment. So we'll get a little bit of momentum going. So you were teasing, you did a preview about how my schedule got messed up because mm -hmm. some people were inconsiderate with my time. It's, it's interesting. So, you know, I, it's also annoying. I'm, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm based, I've said interesting a lot. I'm trying to hold back from saying a bad word, I think. Um, I, I'm based at a school. I do a lot of work at a school, but I also do a, a, a bunch of consulting with teams and individuals as well. It all goes through our nonprofit at the school. So for those who are interested. So my schedule is always, as, as you know, I'll contact you Sunday or Monday and say, what do you got this week? Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll sort of coordinate our schedules. Um, I text all my individual clients on Monday. What do you got? Let's find dates. And then I've already had it set with 
some of these teams, and then these teams are always moving it around. We got back late last night. I get it. Mm-hmm. We had to spend more time on film. We can't do it today. And there's a domino effect to the schedule. It's a little bit disconcerting, but I think we need to be kind of fluid with that in a mindful way and just kind of go go with the flow sometimes. But one thing that I've noticed over the years, and we've talked about it a little bit, I love all these coaches that I work with, but in general, and I'm stereotyping, they're not always the best timekeepers mm-hmm. or time organizers. You've known a lot of coaches too. You don't have to comment on that. <laughs> time is the most precious commodity we have, arguably even more precious than money. We right. have so much time and we die. There's a great book out a couple of years ago. I highly recommend it. So you're getting a bonus recommendation this week too, called 4,000 Weeks. If we're fortunate enough to live to the age of 80, we'll live about 4,000 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of weeks if you think about it no. in those terms. It's called 4,000 Weeks. I believe the subtitle is Time Management for Mortals by Oliver Burkett. He's a writer for, I believe, The Guardian most prominently. I've got this theory that I've been de- developing over the years. Let me give you some examples because we're selling our house now. We have been for a few months. Mm-hmm. market is down. I can't tell you how many people are late or don't show up. Mm-hmm. And it's a production. Right. Got to clean the house. Got to get the dogs in the car. Got to drive them around for an hour and a half. All this kind of stuff. I think, and a lot of people that are just looking at houses do it because, believe it or not, they have nothing better to do. I can't imagine having that kind of time. Yeah, just a tire kick uh, real estate. Or their nosy neighbors. I think it would really be cool if we could legislate anyone that looks at a house will have to pay $25 mm-hmm. just to know they have a little bit of skin in it. Right. I think they're not going to stand you up that way. Right. My other idea, I see you grimacing at this no, idea. No, no, I, no. I, 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 well, the, I'm thinking the, about, but the, I'm thinking about restaurants. No, yeah. So the other one is applying for a job. I haven't applied for a job in a long time, but I have friends that have. I have a wife that had a few years ago, went through this process. A lot of employers really cast with a wide net. And most of the people that they interview, they have no interest in hiring. Right. I've got to interview a white guy, black guy, Hispanic guy, Asian guy, special needs person, checking boxes. So I think it should be a federal law. Anyone with X amount of employees who's hiring and putting people through the interview process, they should have to pay them a fee prorated on the hourly rate of what the salary would be. They wouldn't be wasting Mm -hmm. your time with that. Hmm. You like that? I do. I I do. I do. It it is. So if they got to pay me a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks to come in for an interview, they're not, they're not going to cast with a wide net and waste my time. Yeah. So where are you? Restaurants? Well, 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 there are some restaurants that will, um, if you make a reservation, they take your credit card. If you don't show up and you don't notify them, they'll ding you. I love it. I yeah, it's great. I, we live in a day and age where people don't RSVP anymore. I could be planning a gathering for, say, 50 people, and I need to know how much food to buy and drinks and all this. And then I guarantee you, at least 50% this day and age don't have the couth, the decency, the upbringing, or the respect for my time and money to RSVP and let me know whether they're coming or not. Yeah. Well, it, it's, I think it's an even broader issue that... People just don't pay attention. How many times have you written an email to somebody 
and you have asked them several questions or you've given them some information and they, they come back to you and it's like, um, what do we need? Yeah. I sent you a flipping checklist of everything we needed to do for this event. Did you not read my blankety blank email? So, and- yeah, we live in this. That's a great point. We live in this age of distraction. And from a mindfulness perspective, it, it sounds so cliche because we always say it. It's about being in the present moment. And my mindful moment for this week, I really encourage people, one, to be respectful of their own time, and two, hold people accountable who disrespect you and your time because you're not getting that back. You've got 4,000 weeks to live. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you can just let them know. And if someone is chronically disrespecting you and your time, have that discussion with them. Yeah. Cut them out of your life if it, you have to. It, it's something that I remember many, many years ago that if you are late for an appointment, you are telling the person that you are late to meet that your time is more important than theirs. Oh, without a doubt. And some people do it from like a psychological advantage, they think. Like if you have a meeting with someone, they're going to be intentionally late, even though the meeting is held in their own office. So you're sitting there and sweating it out, and then you have to go into a negotiation with them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's uh, that's something to think about too. But one is, you know, since we have this limited amount of time, it's the old carpe diem, right? Yep. Seize the day mm-hmm. and make the most out of your time. You're never going to get this time back. No, no. It it's funny because. Vince Lombardi always talked about, you know, the great Green Bay Packer coach, he always talked about, you know, if, if you're on time, you're actually late. He wanted everybody there 15 minutes early, and it became known as Lombardi time, that if he called a team meeting at 1 o'clock, you better be in your seat at 1245, or otherwise you were late. To this day, you don't, you don't work with UWGB, but if you, ever went up to, um, if you ever went up to Green Bay and you drive up to Lambeau Field, there's a big clock on the outside of Lambeau Field. It is set 15 minutes. See, that's a man after my own heart. It's fi- that's yeah. a man after my yeah, own heart. And, and, I love and, it. And I, I, I get to the airport an hour early. Yeah. yeah I, I forgot about it one day, and I'm driving around Green Bay, and I'm like, that clock stopped? And I look at it like, oh, it's exactly 15 minutes. It's, it's Lombardi time. Yeah. It's funny how just – I don't know if the, these are inherent qualities, but some people are just late more often. My wife is right on time. She'll pull up at the airport, have just enough time to go through security as the plane is boarding. That drives me <laughs> nuts. I know other people that miss planes. Yeah, because they're just, trying to cut it too close. Yeah. I don't try to cut it too close. See, in my business, when the red light goes on, you have to be there. You yeah. can't not be there. And that's, that's why people are like, why are you so punctual? I said, because it's my business. I'm yeah. an honor personality. When the clock hits the top of the hour and the red light comes on, I can't not be there. Yeah. And, and I've, I've taken it to extremes where I am like early everywhere. And if I'm, if I'm five minutes ahead of the appointed time, I feel like I'm late. But- I'm, the, I'm the same way. It's funny how much of it is cultural. When I, when I, coached, I coached high school soccer at Montverde Academy, my old boarding school, uh, best high school program in the, in the world. Just had to throw that in there. But... Some of the guys when I was coaching were Caribbean guys. I remember in particular a couple from uh, Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. They were an island, an island time. Oh, yeah, you've heard that term. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I would go nuts. They'd walk up 10 minutes late, and it's, uh, come on, guys. But it's funny. Back to some of these coaches, 
that are terrible with time, if their players are late, they're going to make them run. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a different. If the coach is late, eh, it's it's whatever. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, Okay, what's going on? Uh, You know, what? I'm going to toss in a little mindful thing that I heard. I was listening to Ryan Holiday in the Daily Stoic today, and he was talking about when you talk about being in the moment and things happening. The Stoics always have as one of their tenets: don't judge things; they just are. Mm -hmm. Don't say it's good, it's bad. No, it happened. And he used the example, and for those of you who don't know Ryan Holiday, he's been the Daily Stoic, he's got the podcast. He and his wife decided to open a bookstore in Bastrop, Texas, and they started construction in February of 2020. (laughs) And, of course, it cost more than expected, took longer than expected, and then they finished this bookstore, and then they couldn't have their doors open. So what do you look at? Is that bad? No, it just happened. And then now you have to figure out how you want to go forward with it. And I thought that was a very instructive way because you could say, I can't believe we decided to open a bookstore. We were building it during COVID. How terrible this is. And I was like, no, this is just, this is what it is. And so we move on to the next step, it's whatever great it advice. is. Like mental and emotional resistance mm-hmm. never help a situation. Doesn't mean you have to be happy when it goes wrong. But I've told clients before, players that I've worked with, it's like, act like every experience has been handed to you on a silver platter because you're going to have to deal with it anyway. Right. And resisting it or getting upset about it's just going to make it worse. And the other thing that he said is part of this particular conversation is just up on his podcast, and uh, I think the last weekend, um, what he pointed out was that he said, I have never, ever lost my temper and felt good about it afterwards. It's like, you know, just... No, this, there's, there's no point in, in, yeah. in jumping up and down and screaming and kicking the trash can because you're not going to feel any better. To get all Brene Brown, you can feel what you feel and let yourself, give yourself permission to feel it without sort of acting on it, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, good stuff. Uh, what's coming up? Um, I got a road trip, Dallas and Phoenix. And then planning for the holidays, I have my I have my tree up. I have never ever ever had my tree up this early, but I looked at the grizzly schedule, and we're gone like most of December. So uh, it's it's very interesting to go through because I before my grandmother after my grandmother passed away, I took some ornaments from her tree. My sister took some. I have some from my parents' house, and then through the years, you know, you you just collect, and it's really one of the more emotional experiences of decorating the tree because, oh, my grandmother made this particular ornament with her own two hands and I still have it, you know, 30 years after the fact, uh, or this, you know, came from this particular trip or whatever. And, um, family heirlooms, family heirlooms, really. And, and to hang them on a Christmas tree is, uh, is, is really cool. Had a great conversation with my sister. I'm going to try another, uh, culinary adventure for Christmas. I'm going to make pierogi. Am I going to get some of this? If you want, you like mushroom pierogi? I have to ask you if I want. I got to ask you for it. That's pathetic, man. We've been friends for all these years. I'm going to ask you for this stuff. I, well, I don't know. I didn't know if you were familiar with pierogi. If this Come is on. Like, like you act like thing. I'm some boob, man. No, I'm, 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 a, I'm a culturally deboner, just, just, debonair, just, uh, just, just kind of guy. Just man. checking. But I had a really good conversation because my mom would make them. Uh, I mean, you've never can, had them. Okay, you've never had. I'd love to. Them. Okay. Thanks for the invitation. Okay. I'll be over. All right, sounds good. Um, yeah, well, that, they have to turn out, of course. But we, so we had this long conversation. My mom would make them, 
uh, and the dough, the and pierogi are basically they're filled dumplings. Mm. The Polish version, um, you know, I think Ukrainian is pierogi. Pork. Well, you can do a lot of different things. Uh, everything from mashed potatoes mixed mm. with cheese. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go for uh, I'm gonna go for mushroom. Yeah, because sounds the, good. The Polish Christmas Eve meal is meatless, and so pierogi will feature prominently in them. And you can have and, and my mom would also make she would make those she would also make savory ones where she would um, like mix cottage cheese and and sugar and, and mm. grind it up really finely, and you can do that as as kind of a dessert. But we're having this great discussion about this and. Uh, you know, uh, the the secret ingredient apparently to pierogi dough is adding sour cream to it. Really? Because it's it's flour, it's egg. It's not a secret anymore. Our no. listeners all over the world <laughs> they, know well, this. Well, I, it, it, yeah, the secret ingredient is really in some family it's secret. Kind of, you can be blackballed no, out of your family. No, no, it's it's yeah. it's, it's kind of a misnomer because my sister and I were trying to remember. We were trying. My sister got my mother's and grandmother's recipe books and boxes, you know, recipe cards. And so we're talking about it. And what I, what I was asking my sister was like, okay, if I make pierogi, because you make them, then you boil them. And then after you boil them, then you saute them in butter and onions. And then top them with sour cream. You can just, your cholesterol is going right through the roof right now. Um, but I asked her, I said like, just check me on this. Do you make them? And if you're not going to eat them right away, do you freeze them before you boil them? And, and so we had that discussion, and we were having the discussion about sour cream as part of the dough. Jeez, I'm getting hungry. And, uh, and, and uh, we remembered that, that the rest—so we're both, like, looking for these recipes. So I found a recipe on uh, King Arthur flour about the, the dough for pierogi, and they do suggest that sour cream be part of it. And then my sister texts me back. She's like— Martha Stewart says that there should be sour cream in the dough. Like, okay, Martha Stewart said it. Okay, Stewart, Stewart we're, doesn't we're sound done. like a Polish name. I'm not the brightest. Uh, but that's not. I don't think that's her real name. But Martha Stewart actually is Polish. Is she really? She is. Oh, yeah. That's her married name. Then, yeah. Stewart. Okay. Yeah. So, so there you go. So that's. Uh, so now I have to look at our schedule and our few days off or few days in Memphis in so December where we can actually I'll make these. We're gonna help I'll you bring make the beer. You're gonna, no, gonna no, make, no, 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 no. You're not gonna beer. make them. You just want to eat them. I'll bring the beer. You're not gonna make them. You just want to eat them. This is making. I think I'm going to go see uh, my friend Kelly English tonight. Okay. Uh, he had an ad for oysters. Oh, yeah. At, at Restaurant Iris. Mm -hmm. So Holly is getting back from San Diego tonight, a work trip, and she has to go to Folks Folly for a work trip. Has tonight. to go. Has to. Has it's to. a work thing. I think <laughs> so. Uh, I'm batching it. Okay. So we'll, so we'll, we'll, we'll see you at Restaurant Iris yeah. with uh, a, a dozen or a half dozen. I don't, I don't know. She might be in trouble if I eat a dozen. I might have to keep it to a half dozen. So are you cocktail sauce and horseradish or uh, mignonette? Or? It just depends. Okay. Like if I'm in the Northeast, like Boston, mm -hmm. that area, they have that really good, rich, salty taste. I, I feel like you don't need to put anything on them at all. Right, the, the Atlantic oysters. Yeah. But for the Gulf ones down here, yeah, we're going to dress them up somehow. Okay. And we haven't even talked about Pacific Northwest oysters yet. So I don't, don't think I've ever had those. <laughs> I've been to the Pacific Northwest, but I haven't had oysters there. Had oysters in L.A. last time we were out there that came from came from the Pacific. And Not the, the same as the Northeast, I'm sure, though, right? No, no, very, very, very different, but delicious nonetheless. Yeah. I know all our listeners are like... You guys have been prattling on for almost an hour. Can't you shut up? Is this up? our longest episode? It is right? our longest episode. Man, we, we put a lot of stuff Worldwide, out there. baby. World, worldwide. <laughs> Everywhere from the UK to Greece to Israel to the Netherlands and United Arab Emirates. This has been 
Episode 16 of Live a Little, this crazy little podcast about everything. Yeah, everything. Uh, and nothing at all. It comes to you direct from the World Galactic Headquarters of Pranica Media in East Memphis. We don't have a producer. We don't have an editor. We don't have uh, an engineer. We just do it all ourselves with a glass of beer, which today was Spotted Cow from New Glarus Brewing in Wisconsin. And by the way, we have to bootleg this stuff in because you cannot buy you cannot buy Spotted Cow outside the state of Wisconsin. It's good stuff. So when I go to Wisconsin, I get a, get a case and bring it back. You feel like you're missing the cheese curds right now? Yeah, I wish. I wish. But, you know, good cheese curds are, are hard to come by in, in Memphis, Tennessee. But that is a wrap for this edition. Again, rate us, review us. If you review us, we will read the review on a future episode. We absolutely positively promise. Find us on Apple, iTunes, and everywhere you find your podcast. He's Greg Graber. I'm Pete Pranica. Thank you so much for listening.